You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey there, folks. How's it going? These uh these spots are always a little bit weird cuz I'm I'm sitting here I'm I'm talking into a microphone and there's nobody responding to me on you know like an immediate level but yet I know I know you're hearing it I know all of you are hearing it but still I'm just kind of sitting here by myself talking into a microphone which always has weirded me out that said my weirded outness can't stand in the way of letting you know about Gun Street Wiring Shop Gun Street Wiring Shop, we've talked about it before, out of Bend, Oregon. Sean was actually on the, the last episode, so if you're curious, the head man himself on the last episode spilling his guts. So check that out if you're interested. And I'm, I'm going to say it, like, seems like he can do whatever. When it comes down to wiring harnesses for your guitars, he's the, he's the point man. He's where you go. He's uh, actually... Uh, going to be doing the wiring harness in my my birthday present, which is a little bit of a belated birthday present, but it's a birthday present nonetheless. I'm getting a getting a Jazzmaster built for me, which you guys have probably heard me talk about on multiple points on the episode, but uh, it's a thing. And uh, Sean is doing the wiring for it to make it extra special and uh, extra awesome. So for any of your guitar wiring needs, make sure you check out Gun Street Wiring Shop. Wiring? What? Wiring shop? I can't talk right now. I'm so tired. GunStreetWiringShop.com and check out any of their wares. Email Sean if you have any questions. Great people making great products and supporting the community. So check them out. And where, oh, where would we be without our wonderful boys up north, Sinusoid? Sinusoid has been supporting this podcast for a very long time, and if you have not had a chance to check out their stuff, please do it. It's top-notch stuff, top-notch people standing behind the products, and great designs. They really are going out of their way not just to be another, you know, just another cable company. They're going out of their way to make sure their designs stand the test of time. And you know what else they do that I haven't really gave enough love to is pedal board setups. Sometimes we get in over our heads. Sometimes we got we got a board beyond our wildest imaginations, and the wiring of that thing can get can get rather daunting and getting it set up so every pedal is accessible and, and ready to go. Those guys can, can help you out with that stuff too. So hit up Sinusoid, sinusoid.com, and they will get you set up with all of your cabling needs. It doesn't matter if it's a speaker cable, patch cable, instrument lead, whatever, or a full-blown board setup. Those are the guys to see. Sinusoid.com. Check out Sinusoid. Do it. Please do it. Do it!
Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the ToneMob.com podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have David Ranger of Ranger Effects, somebody who I've been looking looking forward to talking to for a very long time, and I don't know why it's taken so long, but here we are. How's it going, David? Hi there. Uh, Not too bad, thanks, Blake. Yeah. Nice to be here. Yes, like here. It's always a weird thing when we. It's like I'm glad to be here, but but yes, here virtually. I'm in I'm in uh, London at the moment. Right. Um, how's things over there? Over here, it's uh, it's it's hot. It's super hot right now. What are we looking at over there? Here it is baking. We've had a mad uh heat wave for like about five weeks, and uh, no one here has any, any air conditioning, so we're all just frying. Except. It's totally brilliant. Uh, Ranger effects in the world. Oh, well, that's perfect then. But the country as a whole is buckling under intensity. That sounds awful. A lot of of people don't have AC where I'm at uh, as well. Being in the, yeah, in the Portland area, it it generally isn't, isn't super hot. I mean, a lot of people have it, but it's probably uh it's probably gone up over the years as the heat pumps and whatnot have become more affordable but um yeah it uh it's definitely it's definitely smaller than say california where everyone it's just a necessity right 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 yes this isn't the show about weather as much as it happens to uh happens to come up in in conversation um but I, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. I, I really don't have any idea what your backstory is, like how you got into music and how that led to you starting Ranger Effects. And, and you know, so some of your stuff is a lot more, uh, it's very unique. And I think that's what attracts a lot of people to your products. Um, but I'd like to know how you got from, uh, you know, point A to point B and, and uh, where where you started from. Right, right. Uh, well, I, I mean, I started... Um playing guitar when I was 14, mainly electric guitar, and just played, just played as much as I possibly could, and um, all in, in tons of bands, and um, around about n- this early 90s, I started writing reviews uh, as a journalist for musicians' magazines, and um, uh, reviewing equipment, and most of the time it was a uh, guitar effects pedals. And um, I would just keep hold of anything that was really interesting or exciting or whatever, you know, or buy it or however I could get hold of it. And I just built up a big collection of um, amazing stuff. And I started uh, using it on sessions, uh, doing some recording and stuff, and um, just making new sounds and hooks and um, stuff like that for uh, recording. And um, eventually, I, I was, you know, I was getting these pedals uh, modified or customized, and and then started to get some made from scratch for me. And then I thought, hang on, could I even do some of this? So I, I sort of uh, investigated. And um, after a while, um, I, I started to be able to do that. And um, it's gone on from there. I've just seen what, what you know, what's the next thing I can make? You know, after that first kind of overdrive fuzz pedal. And um, then in about 2009, started Ranger Effects and um, been going on since then. So it's all really based around um, what 
I can I can use or what would be used in um in trying to get some new sounds uh, that um uh, to fit in with whatever music it is that's being played. So, do you remember what some of those early effects were that you used? That kind of led, like, what was the first one that was like, man, this is really an interesting little box here. Well, uh, the Digitech space station was was just pretty great, really. I still use it whenever I can. Um, Digitech are just amazing, and that thing was a uh, was incredible, and it still is. And the first whammy pedal I remember blew my mind. Uh, and of course, there was the, uh, the Sustainiac. Oh yes, you know the, the the sustaining pickup thing that came with its own transducer that went on the headstock of the guitar. Yes, a really big, uh, uh, heavy thing, all in all, um, but just amazing. And you bring that bring that out in a session, and um, everyone adores it. So I would do that over and over. And um, a Sequa, a Zvex Sequa. Mm-hmm. That was great. And I customized that so you could um, uh, run it in sync with the track. Um, so I used that on, on a load of things. And um, um, they were some of the biggest pedals, I think, really. The big, biggest inspirations to to what got you off the ground, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, they were just fantastic. Things. The Digitech Space Station. I remember when it came out. It was um, there was no reviews or nothing. You know, it was just um, a tiny little ad in um, you know, a product, uh, a paragraph in a musician's friend catalog, mm-hmm. and it was called Space Station, and it was gold, like, and the uh, the uh, the sound sections were called. It's like Sonic Warp, Alien and something else and you just thought i've got to have this i don't care what's going on <laughs> what reviews are this needs to be <laughs> investigated and it was as good as i thought it would be and it still and is and that's uh that one's kind of attained a little bit of a legendary status um being as it's, yeah. it's you know no longer in production and a lot of people a lot of people really crave the space station i've i've always wanted to play one but i've actually never seen one in person um you know, you know. right oh they're really well they're very easy to use the whole usability and you know user memories and there's a tuner um but it has this overall flavor i've got a feeling the way that they they do it is basically they make a it's a an a delay chip or something and they really mess about with the delays and and some of the delays are very fast okay and uh, it gives an overall flavour of a kind of um, uh, a very, well, it's a very digital kind of um, kind of artificial sounding, but um, you can like hear the cracks in the digitalness, and it has a real, for me, a real it kind of endearing um, electronic quality to it. It doesn't sound natural at all, and I don't mind that. I just want something exciting. Well, I mean, sometimes the uh the you know the the especially with the early digital stuff or stuff that shoots for more lo-fi type sounds the the its inherent faults are kind of what makes it interesting but then again that's kind of uh with guitar sounds in general i mean distortion is not supposed to happen like that was that was what they were trying to avoid but somebody as as a guitarist said wait a minute that's cool 
And so it seems, it seems like we're yeah. always trying to mess up the sound. It's, it's like, yeah, yeah. I think it just it just gives it character and interest and um, makes it stand out and sound, you know, attracts people to it, you know. If it's something a bit odd, but whereas if it's perfect, it's like, well, then that's perfect. But, you know, you go into any good recording studio and it's all perfect as the starting point, you know what I mean? All the reverbs and... Mm-hmm. All the sound processing is just faultless and has an engineer making sure it's faultless. But um, usually you pull out one of these pedals that maybe is, um, you know, has its own idiosyncrasies and um, all the strange edge to it that you're talking about. And uh, the engineers are just gagging for it and love it. And um, and as long as you fit it in right into the track and into the into your band, um, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's, it's one of those things that sometimes I feel like it's hard to put your finger on, but you know it when you, when you feel it or when you play it type of deal. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's a knack to sort of using it in the right way where it doesn't sound clunky and, um, just wrong or, or attracting too much attention, but, um, a little bit of that detail and character i think is um is great because otherwise it just sounds bland and perfect and nobody likes that because humans humans aren't aren't perfect (laughs) no matter how much we like to pretend or instagram ourselves to be it's uh everyone's inherently flawed and i think i think that uh when that comes through in uh various art forms i feel like that people can really relate to that even if they don't know why yeah i think i think that's that's right I think that um, that uh, I think that one of the, one of the things that um, is a is a, a thing that crops up a lot in in uh, recordings in good recordings is a contrast between stuff that sounds a bit lo-fi and a bit you know um, cutely um, uh, uh, you know falling short and something else that sounds really lush like it could be like an old drum machine like clicking away. And a really pure vocal, or uh, you know, a, a, some oddly distorted guitar, and an orchestra. You know that contrast of like um, strange and off the wall and perfect. I think is a a, a key thing with um, with making a hit record. Really, that uh, in some ways is similar to when bands play with dy- dynamics. You know, they get really soft and pretty, and then just try to blow your face off. Um, yeah, that's it's a similar kind of vibe, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just trying to attract attention, and um, and the the dynamics attract attention, and um, maybe the the lo-fi-ness of a guitar against the lush vocals and backing vocals attracts attention too. I don't know. I- I just thought that up. <laughs> that's a, that's what happens. We just try to come up with things, and hopefully, we can we can justify yeah. them with some sort of backwards sort of reasoning. I don't know exactly that's what this podcast is all about. We're just trying to figure it out. I don't know what it is, and I don't know if we'll ever figure it out. But that's what we try to do anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So your pedals. What was the first? You, you mentioned it was like an overdrive or something. Um, what was the first effect that you you created yourself. But I actually made, uh, well, from a circuit that I got offline was an Electra distortion, which I think a lot of people start with. Uh, 
Well, it sounded great, but I mean, it, it worked. I couldn't believe it. Um, it was a real buzz when it actually worked, a real thrill. And um, it just made me go, well, what, what else can I make then? And that's basically all I've been doing since then, just going, well, what else can I do? Um, just like I, I did but it that. was from now that and, you know, it was sorry? just like, a, like, okay, now what's next type of deal, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, and of course, you know, you dig around online and there's all kinds of help and, and um, circuits to download and try out. And, um, and it got pretty hard quickly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It gets complicated really fast, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, but um, uh, after a while, it got a, that eased up a bit. Um, but um, it's a tough thing, really. I mean, I've got, you know, books at the library and sort of textbooks and work through it and stuff like that. And um, I did a, a, a course on electronics and, and had people helping and stuff, you know. Um, so I, I'm, okay. I'm not great at it, but I'm all, all right and... Um, I've got a vague idea or something. <laughs> I would say I would say you have a little more than a vague idea what you're doing. Yes, it varies. It just depends on the day. Yeah, yeah. So the first pedal that I seen, and this is you know this this is probably a lot actually a lot later into your you know your career than than what um, what when when you actually started. But the first pedal I seen was I believe the the Doctor Frankenstein. I think. Um, yes, that was pretty. Early. That was about the. I think it was the second pedal I made. Oh, okay. It was a it, well. The original circuit came from the um, Crash Sync circuit by John Hollis, which I think was based on the front end of an MXR Blue Box. Oh. Uh, and I had one of them. That was a mental pedal. But, um, but yeah, so it originally was from that, and I just tweaked stuff about a bit, added a whole load of other stuff, and it went on from there. And it's it's still kind of developing, really. Um, but I just love the um, the extremeness of that, mm-hmm. and uh, and the noise gate is like a unreal how how um, how uh, how well it works. And um, it's not an adjustable noise gate, but um, I don't know. It's 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 totally silent and seems to uh, seems to do its job good. Um, and so things went on from there. I found the uh, uh, nice knife switch and uh, enclosure, and it all came together like that. Went on from there. So at the moment, the big Frankenstein one. With the knife switch, that uh, it's got a temporary, it's temporarily discontinued while we come out with a, um, a new version, which is going to take a little while. But um, uh, so it'll still be around, but um, evolving. Gotcha, gotcha. What uh, what informs like your your pedals look very unique, and uh, and I think they look really really cool. What uh, what informs oh, the aesthetic and like the kind of the vibe? It's all this kind of you know, outside looking in, it gives kind of this mad scientist type vibe to just about all of them. Um, what what kind of informs that? Are you a fan of, uh, you know, I don't know, Mary Shelley or something? <laughs> like, where where did all that come um, from? Well, I think it's more that um, I, well, I do like it. If I think there's um, 
nothing wrong with uh, uh, it being a standout design with, you know, interesting, unique features. So, I mean, it's all about the sound, but if it looks good, then that's good too, you know. Um, but uh, it really comes from the fact that when I started doing stuff and you you put it, you buy an enclosure to put the what circuit in that you made, you have to drill the holes out. And I don't have a, a pillar drill or any of that stuff. It was all like handheld Dremel, just terrible stuff with the, you know, the drill would skid off the side and mess the painter, all that awfulness. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have to file it out to make the um, the sockets fit. And I just hated all this stuff, and it was just brutal metal work. And uh, really, I wasn't very good at it, didn't have the right tools. Um, so the first chance I had, I, I looked around for metalwork companies, and I finally settled on the one that I'm with now. Um, and uh, I thought, well, okay, if we're doing custom designs of the enclosures, why not do it, have some fun with it, do something that's different and unique and, you know, um, just see what you can get out of it. So um, from that, that's where the sort of asymmetric enclosures and that sort of stuff come from. And the metalwork company I'm with, um, uh, they they uh, humour me and um, go along with it. And um, and eventually we get the boxes back and they're painted and they're drilled and everything very nearly fits. And um, uh, it's great. And uh, so now um, we've relocated the workshop to be actually just down the road from the metalwork company. So um, we're popping up, you know, backs and forwards between there and, you know, sorting out how the next new enclosure should go and all that kind of thing. So it's it's really they just kind of indulge my... um, uh, interest anything a bit different <laughs> that's that's convenient being uh being so close and i think um whether it was by design or by accident having the the custom enclosures um it helps the product stand out you know i think yeah I think yeah it, everything's in the you know a standard hammond style box not not everything yes. but most everything and i think having yeah. these asymmetrical designs and it 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 helps people go, oh, yeah, that, that looks really interesting. I know that's what happened with me. I seen the box and I was like, what is that? I got to know more, you that's, know? That's a good starting point, really. Mm-hmm. I think aesthetics well, are extremely yeah. important, and I think that people who say they aren't are kidding themselves. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I mean, one thing that gets me is, is most mini pedals, the sockets on the side, I just don't get it. Um and I know people like it and use them, and there are some incredible things about. But I just thought, you know, to start with, can we not just put everything on the end, on the end top end panel of the box? You mm-hmm. know, so that's one of the things that we do. And um, um, I think it's just great to be able to drop it into the tiniest little space on a on a, in, in a pedal board somewhere. Yeah, that does. Um, uh, that helps a lot. It's. Yeah, so if you're making your own boxes, you, that's the kind of thing you can do, you know. So everything can be top, top panel mounted, or all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you you just could not fit that on a standard. What is it? A, I forget. I I'm terrible with the box numbers. I forget what they are. But the standard mini pedal, you, there's not there's not. Yeah, I should it, is know. There? I've never used one. I have no idea. With the, with the sort of offset holes on the sides. Um. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't really understand it, but <laughs> anyway, that's just my thing, and obviously, plenty of people do understand it. So, I mean, you, you, you. That's really interesting that you got custom enclosures basically out of the box or out of the, you know, out of the gate rather. Um, yeah, it's it's just my my hate of metalwork, really. <laughs> and uh, I just thought, listen, I don't want anything to do with this. Okay, well, if that's the case. And get them made and get them done nice and how you want and and um, it's it's a good setup and not have to worry about it. It's just it's done. It's it's there. It's right yeah. and you can focus on the circuits and whatever else you you yeah, really yeah. enjoy about the process. Yeah, and so then um, we teamed up with uh, Rich DeMeo in um, from New York uh, doing graphics, and um, it's a nice system. You know, and um, he's he's really on the same wavelength with with me with uh, designs, and um, I feel it's uh, it's just in the right setup for for making some you know big progress, for really moving forward with some new things. That's really cool. Is is uh, yeah, have yeah. you seen like a like a big jump in the last uh, couple of years? It seems like at least you know from a consumer level, I see more of your pedals out in the wild in the last probably year and a half than I did before. Um, That's right. That... I would say a year and a half. Yeah. Um, it was the, it was the deep space pulsar, the side chainer pedal that came out um, a year ago, last January. Would that be January 6th? That sounds January 17. I that think. sounds right. Um, uh, yeah. And, um, and so that was really good for us and that's still going great. Um, so since then, I think that's helped, and um, and moving to the new premises, and um, and more people working uh, for the company. So it's um, all these things all to come together. And Rich in in New York, he's he's very good with the whole marketing and communication aspect of things. So um, uh, I think all these things make a make an impact. You know, just making the machine work more efficiently. Just going, yeah, yeah. The overall machine of the, you know, the the, the posting online and um, uh, the, the direction of the new pedals going in, all this stuff, and hopefully it's all working, coming together. So, has there been any um, anything come up that you that kind of surprised you, or maybe artists that that use your stuff or have expressed interest in your stuff that kind of made you go, oh wow, I had no idea that this guy even knew about the company or anything like that ever, ever pop up. Um, uh, I'm not sure. It's uh, the artists, the, the, the guys that use the, the pedals It's very, um, uh, I mean, we've got some great people who, who use our stuff, but, um, uh, and people say, so how did you get these people? And it's all complete fluke really, as far as I can tell. Just uh, so chancy, and um, uh, and um, I'm just looking. John Frusciante, the, the who from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, he's a he he does some DJing. He's I think he's into like electro and techno and oh, stuff. Okay. And a friend of mine is a techno DJ, and they met up, and he said, uh, "Oh, my mate David does some pedals. Uh, can I send you a link?" And he said, "Sure." In the you know the hours they had a waiting around before their 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 show, and uh, 
And so a day or two later, I get an email from him and um, he buys a few. Um, and that was great. That was about uh, two months after the first pedals came out. Oh, wow. That's a that's I thought, cool. oh, great. This is how it's going to be. <laughs> Rock stars are going to be buying my stuff all the time, every yeah, day. All the, all the A-listers queuing up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but it, no, it's just complete that kind of complete chance. So um, I don't know. Maybe it'll maybe it'll change. I think uh, having a presence at the trade shows is a, has got to be useful. That that segues nicely into what I wanted to talk to you about. Nam seems like you were hitting Nam fairly aggressively from kind of from the get go, basically as soon as you were able to. Is that is that accurate? And if so, has that helped you out? Um, um uh, yeah, yeah. I've um when was it? Was it about five or six years ago? I I uh the guys at um at Zvex asked if I wanted a ticket come along be their guest just to kind of wander around the show you know and, I, and of course i did and that was my first time there just walking around with a big bag full of pedals and um you know anyone who stood still i would like start chatting with them and uh and if they asked why i was there i would start showing them the the pedals and stuff and um of course in a, in in america everyone's up for that kind of thing everyone wants to see you know something new and um uh, and is into it and encouraging. So I had a great time just walking around, and uh, and Zvex themselves were really helpful, introducing me with people. And then um, Dwarfcraft got in touch the next year, and um, we shared a booth with a whole whole crew of us, and um, that was so fantastic and um, really helpful. And then after that, I had a stand on my on my own, my own stand, and I was the it was just me there, and I had a uh, a giant sized Doctor Freakenstein pedal I'd made out of like um, aluminium and polystyrene and hot glue, and <laughs> and I shipped this thing over and set it all up, and at the end of the show, packed it, you know, took it all down, packed it all away, and it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. It was incredibly tough and stressful, and. Um, so from <laughs> since then it's been okay. It's Nam coming up. We need a banner, and that's going to be it. Other than the pedals with the and the <laughs> pedal boards, we're not going to make any papier mâché giant things because I, you know, we're going to give her the rest for a while. Right. Uh, so since that time, then um, I think it was last January. I was there with a big banner, and that worked perfectly well. And um, it was great you know it's a it's a lot of the time uh you know we're working away here at, on our own and you don't get you know there's not like other pedal companies around who you meet up with every other day or anything like that um so actually meeting up with other pedal companies like somewhere at nam is hugely important and really um really a big draw for doing the whole the whole show uh people who who feel your pain, you know, who know where you're coming from and um, have the same problems and are a few steps ahead and so you can find out how, how you know, get advice and stuff like that. Uh, that's one of the major things of going there. It's got to be. Yeah. Um, plus, you're, yeah. you're just meeting, you're meeting the whole world one person at a time and telling them about your pedals, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which if it's stuff that you've made, and you designed 
that's just fine. That's brilliant. That is a, a, you bring up a really interesting point that I um I I tend to forget because because where I live I'm I'm sort of surrounded by um effects builders and yeah yeah your community like literally within you know a 30 minute drive like all the time and, yes. and you know so we we talk a lot and we you know I don't build pedals but I'm very involved in the industry and so we uh you know we we talk all the time we like you say have the same complaints and I forget over there sometimes you're a lot more isolated from from that's humans. right I mean there are there are um I mean there's quite a few uh companies actually and uh, of all varying size but um not as many as the states really so um uh um you know there's the biggest ones i guess you know there's a stone deaf who are up north and um uh there's frederick effects in north london but um uh i never they seem to move in a different circle to me um so it's yes it's very more sort of diluted and feel a lot more isolated um but that's okay you know online there's there's all the you know forums and uh, groups to to give that give support these days you know that's true i i think that's a a really helpful aspect of of the whole thing and of yeah you're not kidding yeah i mean really? i mean it's a it, it it's weird right because you know pedals are pedals are kind of a weird thing i'm sure you run into this sometimes when you know you run into a new person and you know the the question inevitably comes up of you know what do you do or uh you know and you and you'd have to try to explain to it and then they don't even know what a pedal is yeah and it's a kind of guitar accessory if you play electric you know i'm doing all the you have to do the um explanation from scratch kind of thing because you know most people have no clue what you're talking about but um once you say wah wah or fuzz box that you stamp on to sound like a rock god <laughs> people kind of um uh pretend like they know what you're talking about right that's what uh i think that's what joel from chase bliss he said as well he said yeah when i tell people i make wah-wah pedals i'm pretty sure that's it yeah that. they get it and it's like yeah that's all that's all he does is make wah-wah pedals yeah it's close enough it's close enough it's uh it is funny though like it's a uh, these little boxes are things that you know guys like me get so so excited about and so passionate about um and yeah it's really weird isn't it it's um it's a it's a whole i mean well i'm i'm the worst defender i'm totally into them and have been for such a long time but is there the same thing with like guitar capos or um i don't know i don't i guess they're a simpler sort of thing but and there probably is with with guitar amplifiers whole big scene of, of makers there, there but there it is seems for sure with amps it seems it somehow seems more um i don't know is it a bit more open-ended and innovative with effects pedals maybe that's really unfair of me i don't know well there's some in like i think there is people or there rather there are people who um I know there are people who are, you know, amp geeks and they collect amplifiers and guys that collect yeah. guitars and, and things like that. And I don't know that there's necessarily more pedal geeks um, as far as they're the collectors like myself. But I do know that there 
they're much more accessible um, from a price perspective. Oh, yes, of course. And they're easier. You know, if you have 20 amplifiers, it takes up a lot more room than 20 effects pedals. Yeah. Um, and guitars get it get pretty expensive. Yeah. Guitars so, are expensive. Um, I mean, not that pedals aren't are cheap, and nor should they be, but they just by nature of them, they they are going to be more affordable than than yeah. other things. Um, but also, they're cute little things with LEDs on them, and um, you know what's not to like, really. Well, and you know, kind of piggybacking off the the price, it's like. What? How? How can you more drastically change your sound, you know, per dollar, than with a good fuzz box or you know? That's true. It, it, I mean, it changes everything. It, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you you can buy a new guitar, and I mean, well, guitars do vary quite a bit, but if you want to talk broad strokes, mm-hmm. you know, plugging in a like a a whammy pedal or a, an echo pedal. You know, any like uh, any member of the public can go. Gosh, it sounds all spacey now, or it sounds like it's in a a huge hall all of a sudden. You know, they, everyone can hear the difference. Yeah, they're they're um, not most most of them aren't super subtle. It's it's yeah it's yeah. Dramatic. But I think it's good the broad strokes. You know, um, to, to just try and reach a new place. You know. That's that's what it always has been for me. It's it's um, I and I I admittedly spend a lot like way too much time uh, chasing sounds rather than you know improving my guitar playing. But I I, I get <laughs> fascinated by by you know I've got a lot of stuff and making it work together in a way that I've never heard before. Uh, yeah, that kind of stuff just really really intrigues me. Um, basically trying to chase down new sounds yeah Um, but you know what while you're chasing these sounds down you're playing guitar you're going how does that listen to these these this chord through this overdrive and and you're playing guitar and that's the bottom line it's whatever keeps you playing guitar and that's what these pedals do they make you play for another half hour when you weren't intending to (laughs) all the time and my wife says, time to go or time for bed. And I'm like, yeah, but hold on. I got to see what happens when I plug this, this yeah. in to, or, put, or whatever. Got a new song coming along, you know. Mm-hmm. Here's a new riff. It, they definitely inspire new riffs. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yes. This is all key stuff, really, isn't it? It is. It's kind of what it's all about at the end of the day. It's It's sort of like the linchpin of the entire industry. Yeah, it really is. Because if nobody, if everyone stops playing guitar, well, you know, we've got a problem. It's they'll have less fun. They will have much less fun. Yeah. So here's a good question for you: Like, who who are some of your favorite artists? Like, what made you? Who made you start playing guitar? And who 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 inspires you artistically uh, as a player? Wow. Well. um what with being incredibly old, I mean, the first person was probably like Mick Grunson or someone like that, Mark Bolan from back in the day, um, and uh, uh, oh, a bunch of people since then. You know, Tom Morello was big, was big for me. Um, 
I like Jimi Hendrix when he's making feedback spacey noises. <laughs> I'm not much into the blues stuff. Um, and um, uh, I, I think a lot, um, when I say recently, I mean over the last few decades, I've been getting more and more into electronic music. Okay. Um, which a, a lot of the time, if you if you want to come up with new sounds, is can be more inspiring, you know. Um, but my idea has always been to, you know, wherever you get the ideas, you know, you put you follow your own lead with it, and the chances are it'll be different from the other, the original thing, and uh, have a whole new way of, you know, leading to, onto a whole new area. Um, but then you give the pedal to, you get the pedal to a rock guitar player. And uh, and then you can start like transforming music and creating uh, creating new hits, really. And that's that's the basically what we're about. So in the in the kind of spirit of looking at more at electronic side of things, and forgive me if you're already doing this and I'm not aware, uh, you started looking kind of into the the modular synth world and you know the all that Eurorack stuff and. Uh, as a kind of maybe another direction for the company? Because if that's your interest, um, it seems to make sense, right? Yeah, I do like that stuff. I find it really, um, uh, a friend of mine has a huge modular synth and I, um, I find it very daunting trying to, uh, if I were to have to link things up and get a sound out of it, but that's all part of the game of, um, of, uh, how you patch it all together. Um, and lots of well, there's there's a b- whole bunch of companies who are pedal companies who are all moving into that area, and um, I don't know why. Whenever I start to think about it, I think, yeah, but you buy a, it, you can buy some module doing a, a sort of vaguely something in the direction you're thinking, and they'll do it incredibly well, really, just fantastic, and um, it would be so hard to get anywhere near what the quality of what they're doing and all that. And I just get really discouraged thinking all these brilliant companies about doing modular synth and it's the, it's the absolute definition of a bending and creating new sounds. But for some reason, I don't feel that same um, restriction and the same discouragement when I think of pedals. I just think, go for it, do it. Hey, it'll be different and new and maybe it'd be crap, but just try it out. Um, so I haven't really gone into that area, but I like hanging around the modular synths. They're pretty wild, really. They are. I um, I keep threatening to get into it, and I think I think that would probably be a a mistake uh, for me because <laughs> if I'm this addicted to pedals, I'm sure that that would be just as bad, if not worse. Yes, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, <laughs> so, Hang, hanging around the um, modular synth sections of Nam is a whole lot of fun, really. I believe it, and I'm I'm told from the guys that are really that are really into it. There's a few kind of in the community that um, that also are into the modular game. They're like, "Oh, you live in Portland, and you're curious about modular synth? That's like the modular synth capital." I'm like, I didn't yeah. know that, and that's dangerous for me to know about. Um, <laughs> but I, I did before I knew what they were. This is years ago. Um, and I wish I could remember the store's name off the top of my head. Um, I accidentally wandered into a modular synth store 
here in town. I was just like, what's that? It's got a, you know, it's got an asteroids character on the on the sign. I wonder yeah. I wonder what's in there. And I wandered in there and I was just like, wow, what is all this stuff? And but I was so like naive to I barely even knew anything about effects pedals at that point. Um, and I, so I, I just had no idea what I was looking at. And I was like, well, I don't see any guitars in here. So this must not be the store for me. And I kind of wandered out. Yeah. But now I'm wondering, uh, I'm wondering, I'm sure that store is still around. Um, if, if we're the quote unquote, you know, synth capital of the world. I oh yeah. Um, yeah. Also, there's an interesting, like, like you're talking about really pedal companies, um, going into the modular synth world. Um, there's a bunch of, of stores that are modular synth stores, but they sell pedals as well. And that's an interesting crossover, I think, um, in that um, some pedals you think, you know, wouldn't, tran- wouldn't do well in that situation, in that store, and some you think really would. And um, because the modular synth market is... Uh, is doing well. I mean, it's um, it's got to be good for for everyone, really. It's it's. I do see, you know, for what it's worth, I do see a lot of uh, synth players just integrating pedals into their rigs. Um, I see that all the time. Um, and and I, but you definitely don't see the opposite. You don't see very many guitar players integrating modular into their their world. And I, yeah. I don't know if that's because it's it's easier to integrate a pedal into a, a synth setup, and like to, to for the guitar players to do the opposite, it would just be so involved. Um, yes, I'm not really sure what. Maybe it maybe it would. Maybe I I don't know. I would. Oh, I'm sure that I would just like, you know, stomp all over it and break it. Um, <laughs> that's a good point. But uh, wasn't there? Didn't um. Uh, is it Pittsburgh Audio bring out a uh, a modular synth pedal? I believe That's... it was basically. I think it was um, a, a uh, the actual rack unit, but a floor mounted one facing upwards. That sounds vaguely familiar. And the unit slot into yeah. that. I forgot about. That. Uh, I mean, there was a, there was more to it. They were controlling things and power thing power things. Um, all the all the stuff that you'd need, but you ended up with um, a load of patch cables in and out the top, which actually looked incredibly exciting. I have to say, <laughs> I'm gonna, I've never seen one of these in person. But. I'm going to need to do some googling. I think I've I've heard I've heard of this before, but I I don't think I followed up and did any research because um, there's just there's something in my brain telling me yes, you know about this, but I can't picture it in my head. Like what it actually? Yeah, looks I can't like. remember the name. But P- Pittsburgh, I'm pretty sure is a. There's probably somebody listening to this right now, going, "Yes, yes, they're huge." Yeah, um, but I'm like, "Hi, Pittsburgh, how you doing?" Yes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't know. I've always thought that I've always thought that your uh, your vibe would 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 slot in nicely into that world as as well and so I'm yeah curious that first time when i went to nam and was wandering around with the bag i went to the modular synth section and uh you know showed them a few things and uh they all just totally flipped but it's always the same with these guys they go oh man look at that oh my oh god can you control it with cv and they always ask that you know and um a lot of the time the answer is uh 
no, sorry. Because <laughs> uh, they want to have the full, you know, they want to have their little step sequencer to tweak it around and all kinds of stuff, you know. Um, so there's specific requirements they like. They do. And, uh, but I think they also like uh, LEDs, so that's good. <laughs> they, they like blinky lights just like uh, just like we do. It's uh, Yeah, yeah. Th- yes. Everyone likes blinky lights. Exactly, yes. <laughs> That's a, that could be what this episode is titled. Everyone likes blinky lights. It's true. Yeah, yeah. That's me. <laughs> so uh, here's a here's a random question. What is your favorite uh, effect that is not made by your company? Um. Uh, that's interesting. Well, the uh, um, those ones I mentioned earlier are are always favorite still um now well i mean i've just got a got my uh, chase bliss thermi mm. which is pretty rocking and um um what else oh, one that i want to get is that um death by audio thing with the phaser phasers on it oh yeah yeah totally destroys your sound i love but, um, i love that everything they do just mangles your signal in yeah in different ways it's great yeah you you know that that pill is it that it's a, absolute annihilation or something like that it's called total total sonic annihilation to- i think yeah, yeah that sounds that sounds <laughs> like it but, um you know if you're working on circuits and you're on the breadboard and trying things out loads of times you'll get something and it'll just be like you ruin the sound in some awful way and it's it'll disappear or it'll howl or something like that, you know, whatever. Um, and they've got that, but they've gone, um, hang on, we can control it like this. Let's embrace this sound, That the fact that it, uh, it is just silent for the first three seconds of a big chord. And um, that's what it does. And um, I think it's a, a, an amazing viewpoint that they they've um that they've taken what could be um you know a, a strange thing that isn't uh that you know for a lot of people isn't ideal and they said nope this is ideal you want to have your sound totally mangled <laughs> and then it reappears uh you know uh, as a uh, in flames you know of course uh and and the end result is i'm like man i'd like to get one of them they're uh they're an interesting company i i i'm pretty sure i've told this story before but um and i wish i could remember the specifics but i know that it was a it was something that i saw um it was a uh you know electronics teacher or an engineer of some sort um i believe the story was his his student brought in a death by audio pedal and i don't know which one it was but yeah. he proceeded to kind of tear it apart you know, verbally, not physically, but like going, these transistors are in backwards and this is, you know, like this is not how this is supposed to work. Like this is dumb. This is like totally, yeah. totally ignorant from, you know, like what an engineer would do. And, and the, the guy's like, yeah, but it's, it sounds good. So how can it be wrong? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like I, I, I've had I this that. argument so many times. Uh, yeah, this is, this, uh, this, uh, schematic is in, is unsanitary. That's what engineers say. Oh, oh really? Um, that's how they that's how they say it. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I've been advised to keep away from um, various circuit diagrams because they're just wrong. 
and you think, yep, yeah, it sounds good. And that's the, the answer to everything, you know. Um, the key is to, to keep the sounding good bit and try and build on the, the, re, the reliability and the consistency. Right. Uh, you know, if something you've done is just a, a fluke, you've got to kind of reproduce it. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know, um, I think uh, Devi Ever put her um, diagrams online a while ago, and I had a look at them, and I couldn't understand a load of them. And they all connected up backwards and not or not connected. And I'm like, what is all this stuff? I don't understand this. <laughs> and the result is, hey, it sounds good. And you go, oh, okay, then. You know, <laughs> that's what it's all about. Does it sound good? Is it going to make you play a bit more? That that is funny because I, I I think um like a strictly engineer type person I mean we, we need those guys in this business too um but I think that sometimes their wiring is just different than maybe how you and I are where we're you know more more creative minded and so the the answer it for us is like yeah does it sound good whereas the answer yeah. for them is this is not how this is not how it's supposed to be. <laughs> yes, this isn't done properly, kind of thing. I think I guess it's a, getting a balance between the two, really. But um, if it doesn't sound exciting, then you're nowhere with it, really. Yeah, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how it's wired. If it's boring, then, yeah, then it, it's a waste of time, kind of. Yeah. Um, I I mean, at least in in my viewpoint, I I I don't, you know, we don't. <laughs> We have a lot of things to choose from in uh, as as players, which is fa- fantastic. But if it's um, if it's boring, that's it's going to get glossed over rather <laughs> rather quickly. Yeah, not so good. Yes. So we're we're getting into uh, kind of the final stretch. Uh, last few things um, mm-hmm. before I get into like the really big important question. Um, oh, right. oh, it's a, it's a big, it's intense. I hope you're ready for it. Okay. okay. Uh, um, is there anything, uh, anything you'd like to kind of plug or, um, tell people where they can find you or any shout outs you'd like to, you'd like to make just kind of as a last, last, wow. last thing here. Um, well, uh, if people, um, haven't, uh, haven't seen or heard any of our effects and maybe have just heard the name. Uh, go and have a look at www.rangerfx.com, which is R-A-I-N-G-E-R, Freddie X-Ray.com. And you can see in here everything that we're talking about there. Um, and um, what have we got? We've got some new things going on. We've got the um, – uh, well, the bleep pedal is about to come out. Oh, yeah. This is an, an, an uh, exclusive for you. Um, uh, which is a new mini pedal that does all kinds of stuff um, and very hard to describe. I'm uh, guessing the this is different than the, uh, not to, sorry, not to interrupt, but this is different than the dwarf bleep, right? It's actually, it's, actually, it's a, a compilation of all the best bits of all the various, there were four, I think, different dwarf pedals. And it's taking all the best bits of uh, all four, two of which were bass pedals, and I think a lot of guitarists won't have ever investigated them. Uh, and so done that and put them all in the in the same enclosure, all adjustable and a whole new uh, 
outlook on the on on the drive of the pedals. Um, well, there's also the the uh, yeah. Uh, so that should be around uh, in not very long. Uh, there's the Freakin' Bender, which is out, which is the collaboration with uh, Color Sound, the Tone Bender. Oh, that's right. I forgot you you had that at Nam. Uh, that is cool. Yeah, yeah. That's a, it's um it's the latest Tone Bender, uh, and it's a Color Sound Ranger Effects collaboration. It's uh, reverse engineered from their early '80s silicon tone bender which i just adore and i i still use loads and um the final point the the final uh fraction of turn on the drive knob it flips over to being the freakenstein overdrive with in all its kind of gated intensity and um strange overtoneness that's um, cool it, does it click over or is it just, yeah, all it's just automatically sweeps uh flips over to be that one and uh, the controls flip over to be the Freakenstein controls. And um, it's a, a really nice uh, uh, addition to the, to the tone bender. So for, so for half of this, it's, it's all just straightforward tone bender sound, which I have to say, they sound incredible. When you, when you hear one again through an amp, through a big amp, it is a big sound. Um, and then it goes over to the the Freakenstein sound, which is big in a totally different way. So it covers a whole load of uh, distortion sort of uh, needs, really. And Very it's cool. um, in the classic old Homebender uh, enclosure with the same guy doing the artwork. And uh, there's an expression pedal facility that you can plug in the side to control the Freakenstein overtone. Uh, they're only available through from Macari's directly, which is where they all came from way back in the 60s. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. So uh, that's me plugging uh, Macari's for them. Um, and uh, uh, for Ranger Effects, there should be at least two other new products over the next uh, six months or so, um, which are really quite different. And um, uh, very excited about um which will be telling the world about soon oh well, we got to keep that under wraps for now yeah <laughs> kind oh, of i was hoping to get that you know like a like the classical reporter trying to get that inside scoop but yeah well the thing is if it doesn't actually work you know then it's all a big anti-climax so <laughs> you have to make true. sure if it's actually working then you can tell people about it. all right that sounds good you keep you keep me in the loop Keep me in the oh, way. I definitely will play. Yeah. All right, that sounds good. So now we're 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 gonna we're gonna this is this is a sensitive subject for a lot of people, especially on the internet. Um, yeah. So this is a this is a big one. I hope you're you know you're sitting sitting down and I'm braced and, for it. Okay. So, what kind of pizza do you like? The pizza. Well, I mean, there's only. There's, there are other kind. There's one kind, and I think that's all there is. That other, it's pepperoni, and that's all there is. <laughs> that's all there is. That's that's it. That's the only kind. Well, you can get pepperoni pizza, or you can get just uh, plain pizza. I think that's the that's the full choice, I think. <laughs> is so, that all they have in the UK? That's all. Anywhere in the world that is actually worth bothering about. <laughs> it's it's just, it's just pepperoni. 
I see. Keeping it classic. I, I yeah. like that. What? What are you? Are you coming from a different angle, Blake? Um, me? No, I love pepperoni pizza. Okay. I don't. I just I, I was worried for a moment there. I I do. I gotta say, I do. I do step out of the box a little bit on occasion. I put some some other meats on there. Sometimes some jalapenos or uh, you know pepperoni's on pizza. Yeah. Would be pretty good. Yeah, my, yeah um, mushroom. Mushroom can be good. I like. I love mushrooms. Uh, I love them. Um, but I, uh, I, 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 I tend to experiment a little bit, but not not too much. I mean, no pineapples for this guy, as everyone is. Yeah, already please, aware. please, no, no. Um, but uh, uh, all pizza tastes better standing up, though. So it has to be eaten standing up. That's a good point. I uh, I never thought of it that way. It is uh, kind of better standing up, isn't it? Yes, I think most food is, you know, like, a, you know, ice cream standing in front of the freezer going, just one more spoonful, and now I'm going to put it away. <laughs> just one one more spoonful. You know, it's never tasted better. That's a, yeah, it's that last bite, and then you get the, there's like a little chunk of, of chocolate or something in there, and it's like, mm, but just one I'll, more. I'll just tidy just, it up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's a little, uh, okay, one more. Yes. It's a good point. A lot of foods are better standing up. That's something I never ever thought of before. Do you That's know? Brilliant. I I um I I heard a little while ago that um if you listen to high frequency sounds, um things sound taste uh more tart, a bit more acid, and if you listen to low frequency sounds, things uh, taste more um more sort of mellow and um uh and sweeter maybe and really? uh so, so i was thinking so what if you what if you listen to a new effects pedal while uh eating a lemon will it change does it work the other way around does it make you hear more trebly i don't know this is a fascinating thing and i i 100 percent believe it um because we know that like sound impacts you dramatically, right? Yeah, but uh, but uh, yes, it, and it, it's been proven that it does affect uh, how things taste. Uh, you know, there's been experiments done. So I wonder if it worked the other way. Maybe we should be selling effects pedals with lemon candy. What right. an amazing idea! That is a great idea. I I've got to try this. Oh, well, why not just sell the lemon candy? Oh my god, it gets better and better. Only <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't need to make all these effects pedals. That's right, because everyone likes lemon candy. Oh god, it... it basically sells itself. Really, it does. That's you don't have amazing. to tell everybody why. It's just like because it's lemon candy. It's yeah. a lemon drop. What do you want? Like, exactly. Like you trying to tell me you don't like lemon drops? Yeah, of course you do. Everyone does. <laughs> well, it's been uh, it's been good, but we're uh, we're right at that hour mark, and um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. But if you if you did have a a few few more minutes, I I have a a, a little uh, Patreon page that I like to put some special content on. If you have time for yeah. maybe a little a little lightning round, yeah, um, sure. We could do that. Great. Okay. 
Well, I'm going to close this part of the episode out. So um, thank you very much for coming on, David. I really appreciate it. Uh, it was my it was, pleasure, Blake. Really, it's been great. great. Really thank fun. You. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, so I'll go ahead and close this one out. So for David, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. You know, I really kind of feel like a dingus because I've been meaning to get David on the show for like so long and he's he's been down, but just through life and various circumstances, kind of like all the other guests that like anybody I've been trying to get on for a long time and it like just hasn't worked. It's always this this weird convoluted thing of why not. But uh, fortunately, we were able to make this happen. And I think you'll agree it was a it was a real treat listening to that guy. For some reason, just hearing him talk like really really brings a smile to my face. I don't know what it is, but ever since the first time I met him at Nam, I knew that guy had to come on the podcast. So I'm glad we finally did it. And like you heard, he did agree to the lightning round. So it wasn't so much a lightning round. I'm still trying to figure those out. But if you want a little more tone mob in your life go to tonemob.com no i did that on the last one too why is that so hard for me go to patreon.com slash tone mob and you will be able to check out the various tiers we have for rewards and how you can get access to the podcast one thing that surprised me is the highest tier that we currently have is the 25 dollar tier and what i wanted to do was make that fun I also didn't really think anybody was going to do it, but turns out there's been a bunch of you that are interested, and that tier is you get all of the extras that are included in the other tier, and on top of it, um, Jess and I send you random things throughout the year. Like, we just send you random objects. They might be guitar-related, and thus far they mostly have been to those that have went to that that level, but for the most part, it's... um, it's it's kind of whatever we we're actually actively seeking the silliest and dumbest things that we could possibly send somebody at a reasonable rate in their mailbox. So uh, if that is something you're interested in, is getting a little bit of a peek into the uh, demented sense of humor that I have, um, that's I guess the tier for you. But uh, there's a lot lower levels than that, and there's a lot of ways you can support the show. And um, at five dollars, you get an extra. Uh, you get extra episodes every week. You get extra content. So it's not a full hour like this. It's usually uh, Jess and I shooting the breeze. Occasionally, as in this case, if I can get a guest who has a little extra time to stick around, then we'll, we'll record a little bit of extra content for you guys. So if you want to listen to David's extra portion, go to patreon.com slash tonemob and you can check it out. And if you really like the show please do me a favor and and just tell somebody about it. It could be anybody you know. Just tell tell your friends. Tell Just, just tell one person, uh, one of your fellow gear nerds, maybe the, the guy that works at the, the guitar store that you go to, maybe your tech, maybe who knows. Uh, just somebody involved in music. Maybe they just really like this side of music. Just tell somebody about it. I would re... B? B? I'm having a tough time with this. I need to take a nap. Uh, I'm, 
just if you could just tell anybody um, that you think would be interested, that would be very helpful, and I would be uh, forever in your debt. So thank you very much for tuning in. As always, I'm flattered, and I'll talk to you next time. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.